the arts, arts report. report on Hello and welcome to the Arts Report on CITR 101.9 for Wednesday, February 13th. to the Arts Report on CITR 101.9 and today we will be doing a little bit of reviewing of Night of the Gun. We will review Chutzpah, Chutzpah, uh, three hysterical broads off their medication as well as Spring Awakening. Uh, we will also talk, do a little sex talk in the city and at six o'clock for Arts Project, listen to uh, Patricia Smith recorded at the sixth annual Pan African Slam at the Calabash that happened on Sunday. However, starting up uh, in a minute, we will have uh, the Arts Undergraduate Society referendum coordinator, Ilana, who is going to be talking about their upcoming referendum. Uh, they want to increase some fees, they want to get a new building, and they want you on board. Just want to note at the top here that uh, February, the Arts Report is sponsored by Posterloop. Posterloop is digital signage, but more so it's a couple of rad persons who wanted to come up with a way to support community events and prevent the wasted money and all the paper that goes along with it in the poster war that happens on those Vancouver <laughs> on those Vancouver polls. So you control the content with uh, uploads and distribution. Um, it's just events, not, not straight-up ads, and it's all arts-oriented community members that are hosting the signage. Uh, it's a cooperative, and it's got low costs. So don't worry about canceling each other out or competing for space or wasting your posters, that kind of thing. Uh, these guys decided to sponsor the arts support so that they could just support us the arts as well as connecting with all you listeners out there who are arts oriented and are probably got a couple events coming out that you're trying to figure out how to promote so uh, you can check out uh, their story and all their locations and uh, actually kind of a funny website good writers those guys uh, posterloop.com and now we are going to welcome Elena nice to have you on the show Thanks for having me. So you are here to uh, talk to our UBC listeners about uh, the Arts Undergraduate Society referendum of 2013. And it's got um, three questions on it. And it is going to be wrapping up on the 14th. So that's tomorrow. It will actually be on Friday. Oh, okay. So, okay, great. So um, wrapping up on Friday, tell us a little bit about... um, the basic questions that are on the referendum and uh and then maybe tell us a little bit about why people should increase their funding for the arts undergraduate society well i think that's a good question when we look at the arts undergraduate society many people are unaware of what we do on campus and i think most people know us for our flagship events so we have frosh we have arts last lecture we're bringing in michael jean this year which is supposed to be a great event But I think what we like to focus on is really our academic clubs, and we think that's what makes the AUS so important. We are able to support the clubs through finance, uh, through financial grants, through 
offering them space and through a wide variety of other uh, aspects that the AUS offers. So right now we charge thirteen dollars per we charge thirteen dollars a year to every student, and we are looking to raise those fees by pegging it to inflation. So right now we have the lowest fees on campus. We're looking to our first question will be about um, as I said indexing it to inflation, and our second question will be about adjusting our fee from the 2001 uh, rate of $13 to today, which should be $15.76. And finally, the last question that we're really excited about that we think is really going to cement our identity and provide all the support that we can offer to our clubs and to our constituents and to all the art students is to build a brand new building. Um, Right now we have Mass, which is uh, located in Buchanan D., we feel that the space has outgrown us, and we're looking to uh, to build a new one. So you guys are a little, little too big for your current britches. Um, no, I'm just joking. So, um, you know, this is something that actually CITR did uh, a couple of years ago where we, we tagged our, our rate to inflation so that we could continue to offer services. And, you know, the arts programs at CITR are very close to our heart, uh, at UBC are very close to our heart. Now, um, you can find out information where? On referendum2013.ca. It's our comprehensive website. We have a lot of information. We are running a yes campaign because we do believe that these questions will help us build uh, a more sustainable future, both in the financial sense and in the social sense. We have uh, an informational kit available where we have a list of endorsements, we have a couple of infographics, and we have um, our press release that you can check out on, again, referendum2013.ca. And the Arts Undergraduate Society is. Um, also at aus.ubc.ca um, and I asked you earlier and uh, there, there's no one running against you in terms of a no campaign is there? No there isn't right now uh, we decided to well we've been basically having this discussion about a new art student center for the past year and in order to continue um, to in order for our, mom- for our momentum to continue and for us to be told that we can build this uh, building then we need the referendum to pass, and nobody has approached us about running a no campaign. So the AUS has adopted the position along with the Faculty of Arts and Dean Gage Avril, which is the uh, Dean of the Faculty of Arts, have all endorsed um, our positions. Excellent. Well, um, Dean Gage and Associate uh, Dean were in... uh yesterday actually recording uh, a UBC Arts on Air episode with Irene Adele for next week on the value of an arts degree and uh, they talked about jobs they talked about citizenship and uh, quality of life so um, the value of an arts undergraduate degree no matter what you wind up going on to doing if you even if you go into law or business or whatever um, the ability to kind of think in an artistic, critical way is well, really important. Well, we couldn't agree more, and I think that's really a part of the of building a new art student center is, you know, a lot of people ask us, well, why are we asking for the $15 now for the first five years if the building won't be complete? And we think that, um, you know, just as, just as things are here before us that we haven't paid for, we really believe in paying it forward, and especially when it comes to an arts degree and really that aspect of critical thinking and that aspect of trying to get um, so many things synthesized into one. I mean, that's what we have, that's what we have uh, envisioned for the building, to really get our identity going, to get students into a place where they can talk to each other. I mean, we're the largest faculty on campus, yet we have the least amount of space. And we're really trying to, to fix that and bring it to, um, and bring the building 
as a symbol of coming together and also as a place where people can go and discuss and just get more value out of their arts education. Well, thank you for coming on this show, Alana. And we have, uh, it is aus.ubc.ca for the Arts Undergraduate Society, referendum2013.ca, and it is uh, at ubcaus on Twitter. Uh, and we are going to, now Alana said she really likes The National, so we are going to listen to The National Sorrow because that's what these guys are going to feel like if people vote no. Thank you very much for having me on. Thank you. Sorrow found me when I was young Sorrow waited, sorrow won Sorrow they put me on the pill It's in my honey, it's in my milk don't need my half a heart alone On the water Cover me in rag and bone Sympathy Cause I don't wanna get over you I don't wanna get over Sorrow's my body on the way Sorrow's a girl inside my cage I live in a city sorrow built It's in my honey, it's in my bed don't leave my hyper heart alone On the water Cover me in rag and bone Sympathy Cause I don't want to get over you I don't want to get over Hello, I'm Adrian Dix, leader of the BC NDP.
Born Wesley Williams, Maestro Fresh West is a Canadian rapper born in Toronto on March 31, 1968. Known to some as the godfather of Canadian hip-hop, Maestro owns both the best-selling Canadian hip-hop single and album of all time, each of which were the first to be certified gold, with his track Let Your Backbone Slide and debut album Symphony in Effect. Let's take a closer listen to Maestro Fresh West's hit single Let Your Backbone Slide. PSA was brought to you in support of Black History Month on CITR 101.9 FM. The Study and Go Abroad Fair is proud to support CITR's fund drive from February 26th to March 8th. The fair is a great opportunity for anyone considering studying, volunteering, working, or traveling abroad. Exhibitors will include universities from around the world and student travel organizations. The Study and Go Abroad Fair happens Tuesday, March 5th from 3 p.m. to 7 p.m. in the East Ballroom of the Vancouver Convention Center. All visitors will also be entered in a grand draw with prizes including a trip on Air Canada, a volunteer trip in Nicaragua or Nepal, and an iPad. CITR will also be doing a live broadcast from the fair with interviews, demos, and more. For more information, go to studyandgoabroad.com. You know, there are many songs about guns that I would like to play, um, but that's one of them. Uh, as you heard, it is Black History Month, and we'll have some content coming up on the Arts Project. And we also have the Recruit in Canada Fair coming up on March 5th, with uh, the Study and Go Abroad Fair put together by Recruit in Canada. And I'll be there doing a live broadcast. And you also heard that we will be doing Fun Drive as of the 28th. So you can listen to our Fun Drive show on March 6th. Donate, please, because we uh, want to raise money to continue the amazing work uh, that CITR does, including things like 24 Hours of Radio Art, our live broadcasts, International Women's Day. Um, we do a lot here at the Arts Department, and we can only do it with the amazing equipment and support that CITR provides. Why a song about guns? Well, we have here Night of the Gun. A reporter investigates the darkest story of his life, his own. David Carr with Salmon and Schuster 2008 and um, the night of the gun is the story of David Carr's uh, addiction recovery addiction again and then uh, his ultimate rewrite his ultimate journalistic writing of his own history now uh, I just wanted to give this a quick review because I have mentioned it several times as we talked to Carr on the 30th and he was a speaker at the push festival uh, the Night of the Gun is eminently readable. 
and the conceit that he's reporting his own truth, his own and others' truths, he doesn't actually wind up revealing anything shocking. Um, he wants to be beyond the average junkie novel, as he calls it, the junkie memoir, uh, but ultimately it is another junkie memoir. And see, the charming thing about David Carr is he knows that he admits it several times during the book, and he's crafty. He will admit that it's a junkie memoir, and then he'll do something so different or so uh, honest that you forget, and you swing back and forth. Uh, the man knows he's a good writer, and he is very much correct. Um, now, The Knight of the Gun refers to the incident where he believed that he brought a gun to a friend's house, and um, where he believed that a gun had uh, been turned on him in his friend's house, but in fact he had brought the gun to his friend's house. Now, uh, as part of an argument, that's a pretty big detail to forget. And it sent this uh, night for him was very much in his memory a pinpoint place where he would not be would he, where he marked one of his lowest moments. Um, the fact that his friend would turn a gun on him, but in fact it was him who held the gun. And more so what it revealed, according to Carr, was that he had never thought of himself as a person who even owned a gun or as a gun person. If he could get this part of his personality and his history so very wrong, what else could he get wrong? Now, I don't think Carr is particularly hard on himself uh, during this memoir. It's not necessarily ripping the bandage off in any large way. Um, he definitely takes his own side, as one should to a certain degree. Um, he showcases a lot of positive things that his interviews, interviewees say about him. These interviewees are people from his past that he took a video camcorder and a recorder and he went and he interviewed them much as a journalist would about another's life but ultimately uh Carr really knows the general impression that he leaves and that his book will produce in others and very much admits that the motivation to write the book was monetary as much as introspective if not more so uh, i guess ultimately it's the reader's job to tell whether his story has any value and I value the inscription Carr left in my own personal copy. Um, it was a treat to speak with him, and he's quite the inspiration as a journalist and personality, um, if not as a crackhead. Don't, don't do drugs, kids. Um, but I would pick this one up at the public library. It's at the VPL. And uh, enjoy it thoroughly and then put it back. It is indeed another junkie novel. The dis dis difference really being that uh, I didn't hate this. And that it's not fake, as he mentions uh, a million little pieces a number of times throughout the memoir. Uh, there is a lot of arrogance remaining in his tale of self-destruction. Um, and it is a personality trait that he both discusses and still holds. Um, but he's a fascinating character, both on the page and in real life. Uh, you can check out my interview with Carr on the January 30th edition of the arts report and we had uh bang bang my nazi nancy sinatra and something a little more up to date uh and a little more uh local we have weed uh and playing uh gun control first track tie to everything you own and uh coming up next we'll have a review of chutzpah three hysterical broads off their medication uh, at the chutzpah festival and we will have a review by ariel fournier of spring awakening stay tuned
from local rock to local rock musical. Uh, Spring Awakening is uh, the story of burgeoning sexuality in a rock and roll musical style. Uh, Isn't every rock and roll musical about burgeoning sexuality? I'm just saying. I'm just throwing it out there. Just look into it. Do some investigation. Get back to me, but I'm pretty sure that's true. Anyway, Ariel Fournier, one of our esteemed arts reporters, was at Spring Awakening last weekend, and uh, she has reviewed, picked out a couple of songs for you and reviewed uh, the show. So Spring Awakening is playing until February 24th. It is a Studio 58 Langarid College production. And we uh, start off with one of the songs, I Don't Do Sadness, and we'll hear her review, and then The Word of My Body. She says the hit from the production is probably Mama Who Bore Me, but uh, these were her favorites. So let's take a spin. Awful sweet to be a little butterfly Just winging over things and nothing deep inside Nothing going, going wild in you, you know You're slowing by the riverside Or floating high and blue through everything and then away again with the taste of dust in your mouth all day but no need to know like sadness you just sail away it's your friend ariel fournier the pre-recorded version just giving you a review of studio 58's production of spring awakening it gets an A-plus in my books, but I would say that sometimes you hear people say that if you don't like musicals, you're going to love this, and I would say that that is just not true about any musical, and definitely not true about this. So if you don't like a little bit of campiness and a little bit of corniness to your productions, to your theater productions, then you should probably look elsewhere, but I would say that if you're comfortable rolling a little bit with that, then Spring Awakening is a really, really excellent musical. It was based on a a German Expressionist play that was written in the 1890s and uh, was banned because it was so scandalous. Uh, And it is pretty scandalous, actually. Even seeing it now, you're kind of like, whoa, there. It's pretty sexy stuff in there. Or at least I was. Maybe maybe I'm just very prudish. And so it was banned in the 1890s when it was originally written. And then at the turn of the century, it was produced. And then it was censored a ton of times. And then a hundred years later, Duncan Shake decided to put together a musical version of it. And then it finally got produced in 2006. And then in 2006, it became this massive hit. And what is so scandalous about this play and what's so interesting about it is that it's about sexy teens. It's it's a pretty frank and realistic, actually, depiction of teen angst. And it's about these teenagers who are, you know, have raging hormones 
and the uh, ineffective adults do not prepare them for that and refuse to teach them about sexuality in any kind of real way and then it just completely ruins their lives and blows up in everyone's face when they actually do start having sex and falling in love and I really loved the way Studio 58 put it together. Studio 58 at Langara took on the play because the playhouse shut down so it was really an ambitious project to be taken on by a student cast and they did a really really great job. I think that the only the only thing is sometimes especially with the male vocalists the the range was that was expected of them was pretty massive. There was a lot of high notes that I kind of felt bad for them having to hit, but I thought they pulled it off really well, and some people's voices were really great. Um, even listening to the Spring Awakening soundtrack after, I noticed that some of the female vocalists were better in the production than they than I thought they were listening to the soundtrack, but that could be just seeing the effect of seeing it live, but I was definitely very impressed. I would say that really the real strength of the Studio 58 production was how good the acting was. I found it very plausible and believable, even though there are kind of these moments that don't feel very realistic just because of the nature of musicals. They're, they have to sing how they feel. So there are kind of these like plot shortcuts that they take. So for example, there's kind of this ridiculous scene where one of the characters gets knocked up and she gets upset with her mother that she didn't warn her that sex was what led to pregnancy. And she has this like about 10 second moment where she goes from not understanding that sex leads to pregnancy to going like why didn't you tell me that that's that thing that we did where he put his sperm inside me was what made me pregnant um so that felt a little ludicrous but i would say aside from those kind of moments where they're like we got 10 seconds to for this person to have this revelation it was it was really, really believable, and I really actually got a little choked up when the characters were supposed to be really sad, and I was really annoyed when they couldn't just be together, and I felt really torn up about that. They really, they really made me believe it. I was really swept up in the moment, and they did a really great job, and I would definitely recommend it. And it's running um, through until the end of this month, or until the 24th, so it's definitely worth seeing. But again, if you're not a musical person, it's just not going to be your thing. But I would say that even if you're like on the fence musical person, this would probably be the one to see. I think it's really great that it finally made it to Vancouver and it just a sexy, fun, well, you know, depending on your, if, if dry humping is your definition of sexy, then it's, it's a sexy, fun, entertaining uh, musical and it's definitely worth going to see. Your body, oh, you're gonna be wounded. Oh, you're gonna be my wound. Oh, you're gonna from now tonight will seem unbelievably beautiful and in the meantime why not
Yeah, I I take my viewing partner to a lot of musicals, and, and if you don't like musicals, uh, you don't like musicals. There's just there's a suspension of disbelief uh, that one must employ. But uh, that is Spring Awakening. We're listening to the word of your body, and that is Spring Awakening, uh, books and lyrics by Steven Slater, based on the play by uh, Frank Vandekind. I'm assuming that's how it's pronounced. Music by Duncan Sheik, directed by David Hudgens, musical director Andy Toth, and choreographer Shelley Stewart Hunt. At Studio 58, Langara College, uh, from the 31st uh, to the 24th of February. And for those of you who listen to the show often, uh, you know that I really enjoy it when a theme comes together without uh, my even thinking about it. Now, should I take credit for this? Of course I should. That would be great radio. But I'm just so delighted when things come together. So we started out with some not-so-sexy things. We had Poster Loop. Uh, we had Arts Undergraduate. We have a Night of the Gun. These are not inherently sexy things. But, you know, you got a little spring awakening. We're going to be talking about sex talk in the city. And something that you might not associate with sex, uh, we have the Chutzpah Festival. Chutzpah Festival. Uh which I was taught to say correctly. Thank you very much, uh, Barbara and Shelley, parts of my family. Uh, so on Sunday, uh, I saw uh, three hysterical broads off their medication, not just around, not just on the street, but at the Chuspa Festival uh, at the Norman Rothstein Theater at uh, the Vancouver Jewish Community Center. Now, I went with uh, two, uh, two loved ones, who both identify as Jewish, and uh, myself and my Gentile uh, sister-in-law. And we went, and I was very much thinking this is going to be very pleasant, it's going to be kind of funny, I'm not going to get any of the jokes, but it's going to be a nice time. And I wound up laughing at all three of the ladies. Um, And so uh, I just wanted to tell you a little bit about uh, the things that I liked about the Hutzpah Festival, uh, this Hutzpah Festival uh, performance, because it uh, was very surprising for me. I think one of the things that sometimes we think about cultural festivals in general is that uh, we are going to uh, we are going to be disconnected from the comedy, and especially when it's uh, three ladies of a certain age, and they are talking about, you know, raising young kids as middle-aged women. Uh, we're not necessarily thinking about all that. So we're going to listen to a little bit of music from the, the Chutzpah Festival, and uh, when we return, I will tell you a little bit more about three hysterical broads off their medication.
And so there's uh, a lot of really amazing performances uh, at the festival, music, dance, theater, comedy, and I saw some comedy. I love comedy. Uh, that's Yemen Blues there in the background, which is uh, still playing. Um, and so the, the three broads were Dana Eagle, Judy Gold, and Corey Kahini. Corey Kahini has been uh, doing three hysterical broads in different iterations uh, all through uh, the past few years, and this iteration joins uh, Judy Gold and Dana Eagle. And these are all what you might consider like mainstream stand-up comedians, you know, Tonight Show, NBC, uh, sitcom kind of style. And it's been a long time since I've seen that type of comedy, so I was very, very pleased that I enjoyed it so much. And why, why am I kind of tying this in with the sexy theme? Well, I will tell you. Because they were so sassy and crassy. Uh, all three ladies did not pull any punches when it came to talking about gender, age, Jewishness. Um, and they really played with the fact that they were at a Jewish community center. Now, when I, uh, unfortunately, the audio has been lost. But when I talked to the ladies backstage, um, I asked them, you know, what do you enjoy about Vancouver, the Chutzpah Festival, and of course, uh, you know, the Jewish community center in general. And uh, they all said that uh, playing Jewish community centers is a tough gig. If you're good, they will be an amazing crowd, but it can be tough for a newbie. And I asked why. And they said that, and I'm summing up, of course, not directly quoting, um, but basically that there's a, there's a culture of arts, especially uh, performance arts in, uh, in Jewish culture that makes people know of what they speak. And so you have to be good to get a reaction, which is bodes well for all the performers in the festival. You know, you're going to get something good because they're used to dealing with tough crowds. Um, and, uh, all, all three of the comics, uh, Dana being the youngest and probably most relatable, uh, were, uh, all very funny. Um, uh, Corey was probably the one that made me laugh the most while I could probably relate most to the, the personality of Judy. Uh, and Judy, uh, Gold was kind of the most, uh, sarcastic, the most sardonic. Um, actually we got along pretty well, even during the show. At one point, uh, she, was closing out the show and she was making some remarks upon the demographics and she said hey are there any 20 year olds in the audience and three of us were like whoa 20 uh under 30 i think is much more accurate but anyway uh and so she engaged us in conversation she uh was not impressed with our age nor should she have been uh so she she uh she made fun a bit and it was great her impression of uh me as a young person uh was pretty insulting and also pretty accurate i'm not gonna lie i'm not gonna defend my demographic um, but, uh, we wound up talking a little bit about the, they all approached, talked about technology, uh, they talked about sex and they talked about relationships and those are things we can all kind of relate to. Uh, and really ultimately comedy is just about timing rather than content a lot of the time. Um, and the reason that I, and I felt it was really uh, important to talk about this is that even when you don't think you're going to be able to relate to something, even something, as Judy pointed out, that has such an idea of sensibility, like there's few arts, and this is why I love comedy so much, there are few arts that really interact with sensibility so thoroughly. You have to get to the truth of the matter to get past the idea of taste because comedy is so much about taste. So uh, even though uh, I didn't necessarily relate to all their points of view, I definitely understood uh, where they were coming from in terms of the 
timing and comedy of the situations they were describing. So uh, that that show is over, but there's tons of great acts at the Chutzpah Festival. Uh, I would definitely recommend. Uh, the dance looks probably the most amazing, and there's a lot of... Um, there's a lot of uh, kind of semi-classical and blues-based music um, going on throughout the festival until March 3rd. So we will bring you some more coverage of that hopefully next week. And we are going to take a quick break. And when we return, we will close out this sexy semi-Valentine's Day show uh, with uh, a discussion of sex talk in the city at the Museum of Vancouver. And uh, we will listen to a little more from the Husband Festival. soundtrack to your life, perhaps a song from a film or a tune from TV. My name is Gap. Exploding Head Movies is here to give you sounds from the cinema, along with the songs that will be defining your future, and those forgotten classics that need a little rescue. Yeah. Come on, baby. Monday, 7.30 to 9 p.m. on CITR 101.9 FM, Vancouver. senior undergrad or graduate student wanting to supercharge your professional development and meet the right people in the ocean sciences? Then register now for Power Up, networking and training on February 27th, sponsored by Ocean Networks Canada. For more information, go to regonline.ca slash powerup.onc. Ah, what sort of fish are you? Yo, I don't think we should talk about this. Come on, why not? People might misunderstand what we're trying to say, you know? No, but that's a part of life. to play salt and pepper we all know this we all know this so uh, sex talk in the city the classroom the bedroom and the street is playing uh is playing is going to be open to the public from february 14th until september 2nd with the grand opening happening this very night at the museum of vancouver in kitsilano 
And you can check out all the information at museumofvancouver.ca. Now, Sex Talk in the City uh, explores what people think about sex in Vancouver. It's not just a history of sex education. In, uh, it's not just an overview of kind of what uh, the different sexualities are in the world uh but it is uh, and it's not it's not just um about looking at some really great historical vibrators even though that was probably one of the best parts for me no it's uh, it's specifically about the history of sexuality in vancouver um looking a lot at the act of talking about sex so we have um the first section is all about education and what has been talked about between students and in the schools it talks about sexting it talks about the uh the way that children have been educated and then we move on to in the bedroom where we talk they talk about the pleasure of belonging for example and they have these great drawers set up and you can poke through the drawers like you might have poked through, say, your parents' drawers when you're older and how lots of people learned about sex. Uh, there is uh, a lot of artifacts on display that, um, as the curator describes, that couldn't have been, uh, actually can never be described anywhere else. Uh, Vivienne was saying that many of the artifacts that they have are from other museums and people were desperate to let them showcase because many museums have children's tours and they're not able to actually uh, showcase these really cool historical things. Um, most of them about birth control, some of them about uh, other types of sexual protection. So I'm going to let Vivian talk a little bit about, these are excerpts from her curator's tour, so excuse the sound quality because there were people taking pictures and talking in the background. These are a few excerpts from the curator's tour. And then when we return, I will tell you a few of my favorite things that I saw, as well as um, some of the, the reasons I think it's appropriate to talk about on the show and some of the events they have associated. You realize like sex is everywhere, right? In the newspaper, in the radio, the film that you're gonna go and see, the you know, the conversation you're gonna have with your coworker, and it goes at different registers constantly. It's, the range is endless, and uh, I I'm hoping that visitors, when they visit this exhibition, will will think of that. You know, where uh, my ideas about sexuality come from, um, and you know what is normality. So what we're trying to do is stream or uh, mainstream some of the so-called uh, marginal uh, communities. So this is a good place to talk about the, the pleasure of belonging because uh, as I mentioned our advisory committee was extremely diverse. The people that we talked to for the interviews, very diverse kind of communities and one thing that came through or came across and then we agreed upon is, and that we share is, is the pleasure of belonging. We all want to belong and, and those are different ways of belonging if you want. So uh, you know you have the straight couple getting married and then you have the kink party and then you have this older couple kissing passionately and, and, and so that we have so much more in common than, than uh, things that distance us. And I think that's one of the, the big messages that we're trying to, to convey here. Um, this is uh, for an exhibition. Exhibitions are a specific media trying to tell stories with objects and artifacts. So this was a perfect opportunity to go heavy on artifacts and material culture. And it is the history of the vibrators. Iconic, if you want, when you think about pleasure, mostly from women, but not exclusively for, for women. 
Why did it all start in Vancouver? Part of it is we had all these very radical groups coming in the early 1900, uh, coming from, from Sweden, Finland, uh, from uh, California, uh, and uh, very strong um, uh, union-minded people, uh, uh, socialist groups, and uh, birth control, like the spacing of pregnancies. Uh, has to do, uh, you know, the, the first one to be um, effective are poor families. So that's why it was always equalized with we want a more just society. This means that families should be able to control uh, their fertility to make sure that they don't have 15 kids, right? So all this to say that back, so in the 20s, the first birth, birth control um, clinic was in um, in Vancouver. That doesn't mean that they were performing abortion. They were providing education to how to space out pregnancy. They were also distributing condoms. Um, so this is uh, 1970s, um, trying to repeal the abortion law. And then you have the pro-lifers. So it's very important for us. I mean, although, you know, clearly the museum is positioning itself as a queer ally, as, uh, as um, you know, favoring individual choices, um, but it was important to show that in the city, there's all kinds of ideas and people protesting for all kinds of reasons. So we have the, um, again, primary source material. Uh, this is Christabel Sepna, a historian of, of sexuality. She's done a lot of work on contraception, and she, um, she's coming here, actually, for a talk in early March. And she looked at the UBC, the UBC newspaper, the student newspaper, and she looked at a conversation about sexuality and, and birth control um, in the 60s. And, uh, and so this is part of the material she looked at. And uh, the conversation that, that, you know, that we're having here is, is really how even though you know, six, the sexual revolutions was in the 60s, but even then we have to remember that in the early 60s, well, all, pretty much all through the 60s, um, women did not have control over their fertility in a sense that even if the pill was invented in the 60s, women, uh, it was distributed to pregnant women only. You had to be married in order to access the, con the contraceptive pill. And it was, uh, even there, it was conditional. So, um, so you know, like it, it, it came in stages. And I think that's what historical narratives are, are telling us here is... is can't take anything for granted, and everything is quite recent. Yes, there is some UBC-related content. Uh, here's a few notes from what uh, Vivian was talking about from the UBC uh, entry into this history from the mid-1961 uh, on. There's a display of uh, articles from the UBC. Mid-1960s pill talk. And uh, as historian Christabel Sethna points out, sexuality is linked to culture, politics, and at the time, the growing sexual secularization of the 1960s. So she looked into those conversations, as Vivian mentioned, and the stories revealed that despite being icons of revolution, single women were not entirely in control of their sexuality. So this blurb said that, that at the time, doctors did not want to promote promiscuity and the sexual health center would only uh, give the pill to newlyweds or to married women. So in an act of uh, adventurous reporting, Anne Rattel presented herself as a newlywed and uh, put a ring on her finger and uh, she received some ortho novo and the title was Unorthodox, Our Bachelor Girl Perforates Leaky Westbrook. 
pill policy. And that's the type of pun headline that I like to see in my headline. So ignited a heated discussion about women's right to contraceptives. The other thing is that this uh, this very Valentine's Day appropriate, uh, if not completely sensual display, um, has a lot of really great arts on display. There's a lot of really great literature and gender performance that's highlighted. There's a lot of beautiful costumery. Um, uh, Mel- Melanie Talkington is a local corsetier uh, and uh, of lace embrace, and she provided a lot of amazing original and vintage clothing. Uh, a lot of beautiful photography. Uh, one of the pieces of photography that I really enjoyed was this picture of uh, a bunch of uh, young men uh, that were protesting hookers in their neighborhood. Hooker-free zone. They wanted Mount Pleasant to be a hooker-free zone. And there, it's a beautiful photograph that you should see for yourself because right there, sna- smack dab in the middle, is a prostitute or what we would assume to be a prostitute from the context. And right up in the corner... East 8th, which was the city I used to, uh, the, uh, the street that I used to live on when I, uh, first started out in Mount Pleasant, uh, when I was a young one. And so that's actually why we moved to the suburbs. And I think, uh, that type of, uh, we, you know, there's a misconnection between that type of quote unquote crime and the seediness of an area and people protest. They don't like that kind of element, but you know what? That's just a sexual element. That's part of all of us. There also, uh, is an entry by... Uh, Mark Bentley Cohen, who is uh, author of A Bi Hung Fit and Married, the playwright and performer. Uh, and it was presented at the 2012 Vancouver International Fringe Festival. And I interviewed him as part of our sexy episode for the Fringe Festival. So some arts report and UBC connections there to the display. And I also really like the third space uh, where people can get together. They can go through uh, some public materials that people have presented and books and they can talk it's a little salon if you will also the tobias wong uh, exhibit objectified and ugly vancouver the neon display are both up uh, and in the next few weeks we have there's a diy uh, vibe with mentors from women's wear uh, there's also a curator talking tour on the 7th um, as well as the second for uh, designing for sex, clandestine history of contraception, um, and there's various other events throughout the upcoming months. Um, on uh, the 15th of August, there will be readings by Vancouver authors and poets whose works have traditionally been considered banned materials. So that is probably the most relevant event to you arts listeners. and that is going to do it for our show today Uh, i'd like to thank all our guests uh, including Ileana from the uh, arts undergraduate society um and uh vivian from the museum of vancouver who you heard as well as ariel fournier uh and thanks to david carr and uh to the three hysterical broads dana eagle judy gold and Corey Kahaney, and uh, apologies to the Chuspa Festival because of the lost audio there, but I had a great time, uh, and it's a very, very diverse festival. Final thank you to our sponsor, Posterloop, who you can find at posterloop.com. <laughs>